verse through the third verse. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply upon the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. They took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Word of God and for the opportunity of being in a land where we can open it and read it and give praise to God for it. Now, God, we pray that you honor this opportunity and may the Word of God live in the lives of these people, and we're going to give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And God begins to liken a contrast to the nation and to the people in the time of Noah, as even in, even in the time of the coming of the Son of Man. Begin to mention that there were People who were having difficulties and problems and sin was rampant upon the face of the earth. People were living in their own way, more concerned about their own lives and the things of God. It was at this time when God looked down upon the earth and He saw all of this sin and this confusion and these problems. The Bible says that He had repented that he had ever even made man. And he spoke to a man named Noah, and he said, Noah, he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. You have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You have been righteous. You have been obedient to all that I've commanded you to do. And he said, because of that, Noah, I'm going to spare you, and I'm going to spare your family. They shall be the new Adam of this world, and out of their, and out of your loins shall come a new generation of people. Because these individuals have turned their backs upon me. Bible says, as God looked down upon the earth, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for he is also flesh, and yet shall his days be a hundred and twenty years. God, even in his mercy at that time, gave Noah a message to preach, to give these people an opportunity to repent. But the thing that I was noticing here the Bible is very specific in the fact that God said in the third verse, 
My spirit shall not always strive with man. My spirit shall not always strive with man. You know, when I read those words, it causes a fear to grip my heart. Even in the fact that I know that my own life is right with God, I know that I'm living for the Lord, I know that everything's all right. But the very thought of the fact that there may come a time when God's Spirit will stop striving with a man is a fearful thing. A time when God will stop convicting. A time when God would stop moving upon that heart. I'll tell you, it just stirs your soul and causes fear. They have some of these movies that come on TV they call The Chiller. Well, brother, if there was ever a scripture in the Bible that could be called a chiller, I believe that's it. Sends chills down my back when I begin to think of the fact, because I feel sometimes we fail to recognize the fact that we're dealing with eternity here, church. This is not just something that we do to make us feel a little bit better for the time that we place upon this earth and for the life that we live here. Gives us a little happiness in our homes and among our families. But it's more than that. We're dealing with eternity. Living forever and ever and ever with God or without Him. Sends chills down your back to begin to think that God may stop striving with the hearts of man at one time or another. I've never preached on a scripture, never talked on any subject. It grips my heart is these words. My spirit shall not always strive with man. I remember when I was a young man, I had heard sermons preached upon this particular scripture, but today it's getting to the place to where we don't hear so much about it anymore. It's all the powers of positive thinking. God is good, and believe me, He is. And God loves you, and believe me, He does. And God would never do anything wrong. Believe me, He wouldn't. But I'll tell you, there comes a time and there comes a place, just as God had said in that day. He looked at those people in the days of Noah, and He saw the foolishness, the sin, when they knew what was right, when Noah preached the gospel, when He had told them what they should do and how they should repent from their wicked ways. God was going to destroy the world by flood. They refused to believe what Noah said. God looked down upon all this mess, and He said, I've carried it long enough. I cannot receive it any longer. Their offerings are a stench unto my nostrils. My spirit is not always going to strive with man. Now, I want you to notice we're going to divide this Scripture into two parts tonight. It's actually divided in two parts itself. One positive, and the other the negative. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, Brother Mister, I don't like to talk about the negative. I, I just don't like to mention it. Well, I, I'm positive. Believe me, I don't like negative things either. But let's face it, every battery has two poles. And where there is a positive, there is a negative. And we see that God has placed this Scripture in actually two divisions. The positive One part full of hope and wonderful joy. One part that makes your heart leap for joy when you begin to think about it, that God does strive with men. 
The very fact that he said, I'm not always going to do it, indicates that at this particular time, he is. He was dealing with those people. He was speaking to them at that very hour to repent. The other terrible negative scope of the fact that there was coming a time when his spirit would not always strive. When he would stop. When the conviction would not be there any longer. When the person wouldn't feel that tugging, that chastening of the Lord upon their heart to come and turn their hearts and their lives to Him. I want you to look at the positive scope for just a moment. God does strive with men. He does. God is ever striving. He's dealing with hearts here right now. Even before this message is completed, even before an invitation has been given unto your heart, God, at this very moment, is striving and speaking to hearts that are lost without Christ now at this very hour. I can feel it right here where I'm standing. There are many of you that have come into this place tonight and you feel like, well, you've been invited or you've just decided to come or you've heard about something or a miracle or this or that. But it isn't that way. You're here because the Spirit of God has moved upon your mind in some way. God has striven with you and He's beginning to deal and to strive with your heart right now. He's striving with men today. Oh, God does strive with men. He does speak to their hearts. He does deal with men today. The Father wants to save men, church. Jesus came to save men. The Holy Spirit strives to save men. And the Holy Trinity together does save them and bring them in that they become part of the family of God, one in Jesus Christ. God is striving. He's working. One of the most beautiful things that I believe that we can even begin to comprehend. It's wonderful when we see the miracles. Wonderful to see back straightened out, legs lengthened, and, and bodies touched, and healed and delivered. But you know, one of the most beautiful facts in the world is how God could take an awful, good-for-nothing, ugly sinner like me and like you, who actually cursed God to His face, who actually rebelled against everything that God has ever done, laughed and mocked and ridiculed and jeered, and yet God in His love and His mercy does reach down and strive and convict and say, why don't you come give your life to me because I do love you. I want to save you. God is striving. He's speaking with hearts tonight. Dealing with lives that are coming all of themselves to Jesus. I heard about a lady years ago husband needed to be saved. And she began to pray that God would save that man and bring him to God. Now, she had a unique way of praying. And there's a lot of things that uh, people, uh, maybe I wouldn't suggest that you pray this way. But she did. She got so desperate. You know, everybody has their own way. And, and things are different, you know. A lot of times we wouldn't suggest certain methods and certain ways, but God uses them anyway. I know a lot of times when I've gone into revival meetings, the Lord has led me and dealt with me to, to pray over a prayer cloth for people that couldn't come to the meetings to be healed or, or people that need to be saved. Then tremendous testimonies of those that have been convicted and set free and, 
I'm moved on by the power of God. And I've always encouraged these people to take that little piece of cloth. And believe me, I'm not putting any power in the cloth. But the Bible said Paul took aprons and handkerchiefs from the body of Paul and laid them upon the sick and they were healed. And insomuch that devils came out crying when they came in contact with us. I believe in it, church. And I've sent these out and I've told those people, I said, get, get somebody in contact with it. In fact, I met somebody just a few months ago and I don't even remember where. He came up to me and he told me, he said, brother, he said, I just wanted to come up and introduce myself to you. He said, you don't know this, but he says, I'm your convert. I said, you are. He says, yes, you've never met me before. I said, well, if I never met you before, how can you be my convert? He says, well, you gave my wife a little piece of cloth to carry home and put under my pillow. And he said, she put it in between the pillow slip. And he said, I slept on that thing every night. And he said, by the end of the fourth night, I was so miserable, I couldn't stand it. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't sleep. He said, I love to drink beer and whiskey. I couldn't drink it anymore. It tasted rotten. He said, everything went wrong. He said, I was the most miserable man in the world. And finally, I just, I got to the end of myself. I said, honey, I could usually go and drink and get drunk and get rid of my troubles. I can't even do that now. He said, what in the name of heaven's wrong with me? He said, my wife looked at me a little strange and said, well, the evangelist gave me a piece of cloth. He prayed over it that God would make you miserable. Amen. Until you got saved. And she said, you've been sleeping on that for four nights. And he said, you know, it had been four days that I'd been going through all this. He said, my God, get it out of there. And he says, he fell down upon his knees right there to bed and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, save me. It works, church. Why I want to tell you this, this other woman, she took one of those pieces of cloth and she pinned it to her husband's underwear. I told them to get her in contact with it. She wanted as close as she could get it. She pinned it to his underwear. And when he came home and he took his shower and he got in his drawer to get some underwear and he pulled them out and he found that pair of cloth. And he was a mean man. That's what she was praying for. He said, God save him. He's a mean man. He beat up on her and did all kinds of crazy things. And he found that he'd come out in a rage, shaking those underwear in her face. He said, what is the meaning of this? And it scared his wife so bad she was trembling and shaking. She said, honey, please don't hit me. Don't hit me. She said, I didn't mean anything by it. Well, what does it mean? She said, well, the evangelist just told us that if we'd pray over this piece of cloth and we'd put it where our, our loved ones had come in contact with it, that God would get a hold of them and they'd get saved. And she said, I wanted you to be saved so bad. I didn't know where else to put it. I pinned it to your underwear. And she was standing there telling him about, the, about this. And all of a sudden tears started streaming down his face. He fell down on his knees. He said, I didn't know it meant that much to you. He said, pray for me. How do I get saved? Brother, I don't know about you. That stirs me. Now, I wouldn't suggest that you pin a piece of cloth that we'd prayed over to your husband's underwear. But I said all that to say this had worked. Now, this woman was praying for the salvation of her husband. I wouldn't suggest that you pray this way. 
But she got so desperate before God because this man had rebelled. He had come to church. He had heard the messages that had been preached. They had come across the conviction of the Holy Spirit had been upon him. But he wouldn't yield. He'd just go his own way. Oh, yeah, one of these days I will. I will. He just wouldn't give himself. He made life miserable for his whole wife, for his whole family. And finally, she got so desperate, she got out on her knees and she said, God, save him or kill him. Save him or kill him. I can't live with him anymore. Can't leave him. I don't know what to do. you got to save him or kill him. You know, two days later, that man, driving in a school bus, he had about 40 children in that bus with him. As he was driving along, all of a sudden, the power of God just descended upon that man right there in the bus seat. And he was so miserable, tears started streaming down his face. He couldn't even hardly drive. He pulled that bus over to the side, pulled on the emergency brake, put it in neutral, turned around and fell down upon his knees before all of those children began to cry out, My God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come into my heart and save my soul. Hallelujah. And God transformed his life right there. The very reason why that man fell before God was because God was striving with his heart. God deals and strives and convicts. No matter what kind of a method that he is, he uses, he still strives with men. He uses all sorts of methods to strive and to deal and to convict and to pull upon the hearts of people. But, beloved, we have to realize that even though God is striving, there may be a time when he stops. I heard about a man in Latin America who had said in a revival service, he had heard the gospel several times. He was sitting in there, and the Spirit of God was moving upon his mind and upon his heart. And God convicted him. When the altar call was given, he sat there with his head bowed, and God began to strive, and he began to tug. And he began to tow and pull at that man's heart, saying, Come, give your life to me. And he fought it. He twisted in his seat. He rebelled. He just didn't want to do it at that time. Thinking in his own heart, Oh, I'll have another day. I'll have another time. I'll come back and do it later. He got up to his feet. He was down in Latin America. Started to walk the trail home along the river. And as he walked around the corner, an alligator snapped out from behind a tree, grabbed him by his leg, and took his life. He had been striven with. God had dealt with his heart. How God strives! God knew! You say, well, brother, you mean to tell me that God sent an alligator to eat that man because he didn't get saved? No, I don't mean to tell you that. I mean to tell you this. I believe God knew the alligator was going to eat him. And I believe God wanted him to get saved before it happened. And I believe God strove and convicted and pulled and tugged at his heart all that evening trying to get him to yield himself to God before it was too late. We don't know when we're going to face God. You don't know when your time is up. You don't know when you're going to have to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for your life. God knows. That's why he strives with you. 
That's why he tugs and pulls at your heart saying, come and give yourself to me. Yield your life to me. Accept me as your Lord and Savior. I want to help you. I want to bless your life. You're going to have to stand before me and I'm giving you an opportunity to make things right right now. That's why God strives. God bless the, every effort that is put forth for the Lord Jesus Christ because God is striving with the hearts of men today. Thank God that He's striving. Then we come to the awful negative scope. Even though God does strive with man, and even though He does deal and convict, and I believe tonight there are probably many of you that are sitting in this congregation right now whom God has striven with a time and time and time again. I remember when I was a little boy, about 12 years old, God had striven with my heart. I'd gone to services. He'd given me an opportunity to get saved and to give my heart and life to Jesus. And I just kept resisting. I was afraid to go down. And one day I came home. The radio was on. The lights were on. But there was nobody there. Came home from school. I went in. Everything was just as though my mother had been working and she's always there. Always. My mother didn't drive a car. She didn't go anywhere unless my dad went. He hadn't gotten home from work. I knew that. My mother was there. Everybody else was gone. Nothing. I walked into that house and all of a sudden conviction hit me. I've never felt anything like it in my life. God began to speak to me and said, you're not saved. And I said, my God, I've missed the rapture. I thought the rapture had happened and I was left. And I'll tell you, I never went through anything. I got down and repented. The devil started lying to me. He says, no use repenting. Everybody's gone. It's too late now. It's all over. And I'll tell you what, I was crying out to God, much to my amazement. About ten minutes later, my mother walked in the door with my sister. And what a breath of uh, relief I sighed. When I realized she was still here. But I'll tell you this. When I got back into the service, it didn't take me long to get down to the altar because I knew God was dealing with my heart. I got a taste of what it might be like if I got left. There's a time coming when God is not going to strive. He is dealing with the hearts of life right now. He is speaking to people and He's trying to get them to turn to God. But when you think of that negative scope, that part of it, it makes your soul freeze with horror to think for a moment that God is going to come to a place that He will stop striving, stop convicting, stop tugging and pulling at the heart of that person. And God will shut them off. It means because of neglect and because of resistance, because of refusal to submit your whole life totally, absolutely to God, that even God's love will be exhausted. That He will deal until He has come to the place that He can no longer deal anymore. There are some people that will just not give their heart to God no matter what. I believe Pharaoh was one of those kind of men. No matter what he saw, no matter how many miracles God performed, no matter how many great things was done before his eyes, he would not repent. No matter what he went through, he still would do his own thing. And there are people today that still...
still are in that position. They will not yield to God. I believe God will deal and speak to those hearts. But then there is coming a time when God will utter those words, My spirit shall not always strive with man. God's love is exhausted. It means that there is a different, definite limit to God striving and convicting to the hearts of people. It means when the last food has been eaten, the last water, glass of water has been drank. It means when the last night's sleep has been enjoyed, the last door has been shut. The last day's work has been finished. When all of the activities and the things of this life that we engage in and we have done, we have finished our last one, it is all over. And God stops dealing with the hearts of men. It's finished. It's done. My spirit is not going to strive any longer. I quit fooling with the lives of those individuals. They have turned against me and they will not follow after me. It means no hope. No hope, no hope. You see, there was a time when Noah was preaching the gospel while God was striving that those people had opportunity to come into the ark of safety. They had an opportunity to come in and be a part of what Noah was doing. But then there came a time when God shut the door. Even before the calamity had started, even before it had taken place, God shut the door, and it could not be opened. His spirit had stopped. He had no longer striven with those men. He had done all he could do, and now it was over, and this was the end. And those people ran to the ark. They cried out, Noah, open the door, let us in. We were wrong. We made a terrible mistake. But they had pushed it too far. They had gone beyond their limits. you have ever planned to serve God, church, you better do it now. If you've ever planned to do anything for Jesus Christ, you better do it now. I believe that we're living in the same type of atmosphere and the same type of confusion, the same type of sin and immorality and ungodliness that is upon the earth that is it was in the day of Noah. I believe at this very hour that God is striving and He's moving and He's calling and He's quickening and drawing people to Himself. But even as He is striving, God is beginning to come to the place that He's going to close things off. Men have heard. Men have been taught. Men have been preached to. They see and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time for the coming of the Lord. We're getting close to that day, uh, and God is striving and dealing right now with hearts and lives. Uh, but the time is going to come when God is going to say, Enough! It's time for my son to return! It's time for him to catch his bride away! To take her! To be with him! Forever and forever and forever and forever! You could have looked upon this scene in the book of Genesis. You could have seen that last strong swimmer struggling for the top of the last highest peak as that water began to go over. 
and you saw him go under, drowning, you would know what it means when God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Brother, I believe we don't even begin to comprehend the confusion. The Bible said the fountains of the deep opened up, heavens opened up and rained out water. Bodies were being swept away down the streets. Uh, cities were being destroyed. Lives were being taken. Little children on the backs of their mothers and their fathers running to the tops of the hills uh, trying to find a high place to get out of the terrible devastation that was taking place. Uh, everyone running for fear, trying to save themselves. If you could have seen this massive clamor, all of these people trying to preserve their own lives and their homes, you'd know what it meant when God said, My spirit shall not always strive. People put their confidence in a man. Think, well, what have we got to worry about? Our government will take care of us. They'll feed us. They'll clothe us. I can always go on welfare. Even though the dollar goes down, they'll form some kind of a food line. But I'm telling you something, church. When God's Spirit is through, you can form all the food lines you want, and it's not going to help you. A food line wouldn't have done those people back there in the flood any good at all. Come on. Wouldn't it make any difference if they'd had a million dollars in the bank? It wouldn't have done them any good. God came to the end. He said, My spirit shall not always strive. If you could have heard the cries and the struggles of those people as they went under and as they drowned, you would have known what God meant when He said, My spirit shall not always strive with men. could have followed Pharaoh's army into the Red Sea. Brother, if there was ever anybody that was striven with, it was Pharaoh. God gave that man opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But he wouldn't. He continued to do his own thing. If you could have seen that army wiped out, their chariots busted to pieces, bodies torn and sent asunder as the waters caved in upon them, lives totally destroyed, you'd know what it was when God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. If you could have heard the cries of the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, after God had sent His messengers down there to preach the gospel of, and to tell them to turn from their wicked ways and to repent from the ungodliness that was in that city, and then they refused. They turned. God didn't do it without giving them an opportunity. Some people think, well, God must be pretty bad to do all of those terrible things. But listen, God strove. He dealt. He convicted. He moved. He tugged. He pulled at those hearts. Gave them every chance He knew how to give. But they would not. Just like Jesus when He stood upon the hill and looked down at Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you under my wings as a mother hen gathered her chicks? But ye would not. Ye would not. 
Man has a will. God cannot violate that will. He sent messengers in the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah in all of these times to preach the gospel, to tell them to turn from their wicked ways and repent, but they would not. Fire rained down and burned and destroyed the cities. Complete devastation came upon those people and upon their lives. Jesus is here tonight, church. And I believe that we're facing the very same type of a situation over again. God is sending messengers. He's sending pastors. He's sending evangelists. He's sending witnesses. He's sending people all over the world today. He's spreading out. There's great outreaches that are going throughout the countries that is telling men, repent, turn from your wicked ways. The time is short. Jesus is coming soon. It could be tonight. Don't put it off. Men are saying, I've got plenty of time. Even if there is a tribulation, God's going to take us through it. I had a man tell me not very long ago, he said, Brother, listen. Daniel was cast into the lion's den, but the lions couldn't eat him. He said the three Hebrew children were cast into the fiery furnace. But they didn't burn. And he said, likewise, we will be into the midst of the tribulation. But we will not be hurt. I said, brother, when you start using types like that, you better make sure you've got an anti-type to back it up in the New Testament. Because I said, Daniel in the lion's den... And the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace had absolutely nothing to do with the rapture of the church whatsoever. Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew children, was nothing more than a type of persecution from the king. They were persecuted because of what they did. The types that we have in the Old Testament of the church is Noah and the ark, Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah believed God. He was righteous. He was taken out. He wasn't even in the midst of it. Lot. He was a young man that was righteous before God. The angel came down and took him out. Listen, church. I tell you, if we're righteous today, we're getting ready to face something that's going to destroy this place. The whole elements are going to burn with a fervent heat. God is going to wipe it out. He's going to completely do away with the face of this whole planet as we know it today. But brother, I want you to know that my life is right with God and I don't care what He does because there's coming a time that He's coming to take me out. It might be tonight. There's definitely coming a time. It might be next week. Finally, when Noah had preached for that 120 years, God saw that those people weren't going to repent. He shut the door. Now, I don't know how long it was after he shut the door. Maybe a day. Maybe a week. Maybe a month. I don't know. But he shut the door. 
God has been speaking in hearts and lives and convicting and pulling and tugging, saying, come, give your life to Jesus. Now is the time. This is the day. I'm returning soon. But there's still that are taking it lightly, saying all things are going on like they always have. And they're just going to keep on going that way. I don't need to worry. I've got plenty of time. Another good five years. Then I'll start worrying about it. Brother, that door might shut tonight. It might shut tomorrow. I've been looking for the Lord all day today. <laughs> he hadn't made it yet. The day isn't over till 12 o'clock. But if He don't make it today, then I'm going to look for Him tomorrow. If He don't make it tomorrow, I'm looking for Him the next day. I'm going to go on planning to preach the gospel as though He wouldn't be here for 50 years, but I'm looking for Him right now. And I want you to know that God is speaking to hearts and lives, but there comes a definite time when God's, God's striving, His conviction is exhausted, and He comes and He said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. He came to whisper, O dying man traveling toward the judgment bar, are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to stand before God? Have you turned your life to Jesus? Are you just going your own way without Jesus Christ? If God's speaking to your heart tonight and if the Lord is dealing and ministering to you, I would encourage you, don't leave this place until you make your heart right with God. Because God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we feel your conviction. And we know, God, that you're dealing with hearts and lives that you brought to this service tonight. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be free to do its work upon the lives of these people, for I've delivered that which you've given me to say to the best of my ability to rest remains in your hands. I want you to think about that, church. We have just finished talking of the negative scope of what Jesus said when He said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. But there's one beautiful thing that you have to stand on right now is at this particular moment, God is still striving. If you feel conviction in your heart right now, if you feel it deep down in your soul, at least you can say, right now, God is striving with me. If you wait till Wednesday night, you don't know that He's going to be striving with you Wednesday night. But you do know that He is right now. Don't make the same mistake that countless others have made and putting off the conviction of the Holy Spirit, saying, I'll just wait a while. I don't know if I want to accept that. Because there's coming a time when God said, My Spirit shall not always strive. But He is striving now. While Christians are praying and lives are seeking God, how many would be honest with me and say, Brother Metzler, I know that God is striving with my heart right now. I can feel it. 
He's showing me that I'm wrong and that I need to be saved. I need to give my life to Jesus. And I desire your prayers. Would you pray for me? I challenge you, just slip up your hand, slip it down quickly and say, Yes, sir, God's dealing with my heart. I feel that conviction that God is striving with me. Slip it up, slip it down. Yes, amen. Are there others? Come on. Slip it up, slip it down. Pray for me, Brother Messer. I need to get right with God. I need to make my peace with God tonight. Quickly. Quickly. You know, I've often wondered why people... I, I, I tell you, I don't have the courage to toy with the things of the Lord. Some people live as though they had a thousand years to live. Not worrying about a thing. God's Spirit is moving and gently tugging and wooing at their heart to give themselves to Him. And they put it off as though it is nothing. God's striving with you right now. God's speaking to your heart. Are there others? Come on, lift up your hands. Say, pray for me, Brother Messer. I know that I'm not right with God. And I want to make things right before it's too late. Yes, young man, I see you back there. Is there anybody else? Come on. I know you're here. I know it. I feel it as sure as I'm here. God's dealing with your heart. You know it. Slip it up. Slip it down. We're not here to embarrass you, humiliate you, but we're here to give you the greatest thing that ever happened in your life, the gift of salvation. Quickly. Quickly. Pray for me, brother. Pray for me. We're going to sing that chorus tonight. I want you to just remain where you are. Sometimes I, I, I know how God must have felt when He looked down upon the earth and you deal with hearts and you deal with lives. If I could come down here and kneel down before this altar, before you and before God, and get saved in your place for you, brother, I'd do it. I'd be on my way right now. It'd be a lot easier. And dealing and tugging and pulling. I'd gladly come and do it, but I cannot. Every person has to make his own personal decision for Jesus Christ. And God speaks. God strives. God convicts. God tugs. God pulls. But there's coming a time when He's going to stop. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to receive Him or are you going to reject Him? We're going to sing that chorus. Sweep over my soul, sweep over my soul. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. And as we sing it, I challenge you that lifted your hand. Those of you who did not, if you brought someone here, you know they're not right with God, just lean over to them and say, Come on, let's go together. I'll go with you. Bring them down, but come on down to this altar right now. Jesus is waiting here to take you into the ark of safety and to give you victory and freedom to live for Him for eternity.
Brother, I'll tell you, I wouldn't walk out. I, if somebody give me everlasting life, didn't cost me a penny. here tonight. There are a number of individuals who are saved, who know what it is to accept Jesus, but your life is not consecrated. You're not really dedicated. You're dedicated when it's convenient. And when God is doing something on your life, that's fine. But when it's more convenient for you to do otherwise, you do it. God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm sure there were people in the days of Noah who were fairly good people who felt they were doing what was right. But they weren't dedicated. God said, I would that you be hot or cold, for the lukewarm are going to be spewed out of my mouth. The lukewarm are going to be spewed out of my mouth. And if you're not red hot on fire for God, the next best thing is not to be just a Christian, just in the church. Next best thing is to be ice cold on your way to hell. Because that's where you're going anyway. said, I don't want you in between. you got to be hot or cold. And I sense that God is dealing with some people right now that you just haven't really consecrated your all. My spirit shall not always strive with men can apply to that person that is not dearly consecrated to God who is just part way in. God wants you to put everything aside. Say, God, I come to offer myself to you totally, completely to serve you with everything that I've got. I'm tired of this lukewarm experience. I want the fullness of God in my life. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here now to receive you and to offer myself and to show you that I'm really sincere. As we sing it, I challenge you, wherever you are, just slip out of your seat and come down here and stand with me in the front right now. God wants to minister to you. Sing it with me. So we over my... Just come and stand if God's speaking to your heart. Over my soul, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. Now, glory to God, my rest complete while I sit at His feet, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul.
sing it again, sweet for my soul, sweet Oh, I feel this so definitely, church, there are others that God's still speaking to. You may not tell lies to other people, but you can sure deceive yourself. My rest is complete while I begin to thank God for a moment and worship Him. Hallelujah. 